strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I appreciate you spending some time with the show. Uh, Six cartel members indicted in Maryland. Maryland is now facing issues at the border. And the concern there is that now we are seeing the border issues that are plaguing the southern border, especially because of the cartels. I just had this conversation with someone recently. I've been making the comparison, and and this is someone who lives in this world, and the comparison works, that in the 1980s, we were watching as the drug wars were heating up when when the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, was out there uh, fighting mostly marijuana and living like I did in South Florida in the Gulf of Mexico side, not over in Miami, but on the Gulf side. We saw our share of it. There was, you know, they, they were chasing the, the cigarette boats that had bales of marijuana on it. It was easier to find because the big bales of marijuana, well, it shifted from marijuana to cocaine. And when it shifted to cocaine, you had the Medellin cartel was the one that was probably the most famous, the Cali cartel as well as a rival cartel. But the Medellin cartel held, led by Pablo Escobar, a multi-billion dollar organization, he built an army and he was trying to control the government in his country. And I, I, this is... The the key. He had such he had um, built such fear in the people and in the government of his country that when he finally was fearful of the U.S. and extradition to the U.S. where he'd face the music for committing crimes and selling cocaine here, he made a deal with his own country to build his own luxury prison. And he did. That was how strong the cartels have been. Well, in Mexico, and I'm not trying to insult the Mexican people. I think the Mexican people I know are phenomenal people, and they deserve a stable country. But we are seeing the cartels grow and grow and grow in power, and they have come into the U.S. They are not just doing business here, but I want you to hear a little bit of this. This is the Maryland uh, Attorney General Anthony Brown, what these charges are against these cartel members. The individuals are charged with as many as 21 counts, including drug kingpin, participation in a criminal organization, volume dealer, possession with intent to distribute cocaine, use of firearms in a drug trafficking crime, drug proceeds, and related charges. So here are the items found by the detectives. This is what the attorney general says they found. Detectives recovered 15 kilograms of cocaine, 400 grams of crack cocaine, 10 firearms, including two assault-style rifles and a Glock 30 handgun that was altered with an auto sear that converted it into an automatic weapon. Over $493,000 of narcotics proceeds and narcotics production equipment. Each kilo has a street value estimated at thirty dollars to $35,000. In total, detectives recovered narcotics from this criminal organization with a street value of roughly half a million dollars. So this is where when you live in a border state and we talk about the fentanyl that's crossing the border at points of entry. At ports of entry, we talk about the, this is where it's a problem. As Americans, I'm, I'm concerned about the safety and the security of the Mexican people as well because they are our neighbors. They are a huge trading partner to the country. They're the number one trading partner here in Arizona. This is not about being anti-Mexico. It's the exact opposite. I am 
pro-Mexico. We want our neighbors to be stable. We want our neighbors to be prosperous, especially when we do business with them. It is good for us when it's good for them. The cartels have crossed into our country. We know they've been doing business here in Arizona. We have heard about drop houses. We know about the drug problem. We know that fentanyl is the number one killer of young people in our country. And yet this continues. And now Maryland is talking about cartels in their state. There's a DEA special agent here, uh, Gerald Forget, talking about the widespread investigation. We are making a, a difference in our communities, cut, cutting violent crime, stopping violent drug traffickers in their tracks, and keeping our local families safe. As stated in the indictment, this is a case that crosses several local and state jurisdictions. This investigation resulted in the seizure of cocaine that was delivered to Baltimore County, Maryland, from Houston, Texas. And so this is the statement, man. He says the cartels are here. As most of you know, cocaine is not manufactured in the United States. It is grown and manufactured in South America and transported by Mexican cartels to all four corners of our country. Let me be clear. The Mexican cartels are here and their drugs are here in Maryland. They do not care about the well-being of our citizens and they are flooding and poisoning our neighborhoods with drugs like cocaine, meth, heroin, and especially fake pills faced with fentanyl. And the nexus between cartels and violent crime is unfortunately ever so prevalent. So the problems at the U.S. border are not simply about people that want to come to this country. And I I, I am telling you I am as pro-immigration as anyone else. We have a problem with people understanding that we have a a sovereign border because we don't enforce the laws on our border. So what ends up happening is you have – now, there's a big difference between the DEA, obviously, and Homeland Security, ICE, and, and CBP. But when you have ICE and CBP agents that are consumed with these cases for asylum and not doing the law enforcement job on the border, you get some of what we have here. Um, The sex trafficking that happens because of the border is something we all should be ashamed of. I continue to talk about this issue because it's much deeper than just – you know, uh, legal, you know, making sure that the, the dreamers have permanent status here and that they're made citizens of this country, which I believe should and should have happened a long time ago. But it needs to be tied. It should have been tied to comprehensive reforms so that our immigration system is fixed. The United States, the American people should have the right to invite the world here in the f- fashion we want so that we have a robust immigration system. And we do not control who's coming into our country right now. The cartels do. And that human trafficking element of this is a distraction for their drug trades and the other crime they bring into our society. Again, they 400 grams of crack, 15 kilos of cocaine. That is crazy. But they had 10 firearms. They had uh, rifles. They had a, a pistol that was converted to be an automatic pistol. So these are the people. You want to talk about gun crimes. You want to talk about gun legislation. Why aren't we looking at this? We keep talking about all the things we need to do to make our society safer. And yet when this is right under your nose, you're saying these are the violent people. And going back to the 1980s and maybe even earlier than that, when the FBI and other federal law enforcement and then eventually local law enforcement agencies shifted their weaponry. It was because of the cartels and and what was going on with the cartels that they were seeing more and more that these criminals were armed to the teeth with semi-automatic and automatic weapons. And when you were on the street with with a revolver, then you were way outgunned. And there were shootouts in which agents were lost and things 
things had to be changed and we had to change the armament of our police officers and our federal agents because they were at war with these cartels that were at war with us long before we knew it. And by the time we were trying to play catch up, you know how bloody and how bad it got. When you're dealing in billions of dollars in drug dealers, they don't care about human life. They will kill you or have you killed at the drop of a hat. You don't matter to them. All that matters to them is their product and making sure that they stay profitable. And we are seeing it again with the cartels that are now infesting our neighbors to the south, our neighbors, the Mexican people. You know, the new uh, USMCA that was negotiated when NAFTA was kind of went by the wayside, this new neg- negotiated deal was going to make Mexico, is making Mexico much more prosperous and much more industrious. But you've got to figure out a way to fix this problem. And we as Americans have to start at the border, secure the border, make sure our ports of entry are as secure as possible, and that we are controlling the people that are coming into this country. From there, a lot of these other things can be put into line. In a moment, recent train derailments have people questioning rail safety. We're going to talk about what the government is doing about it and what they're saying about it. It's coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I appreciate you being with us. Um... The longer the train, the heavier the train. The Ohio disaster calls attention to the freight, uh, freight's growing bulk. When we talk about this, this is an important issue. We know that much of the cargo that is carried across this country is is carried by rail. We under, but also we know that chemicals are as well. That the rail system is a part of the lifeblood of the U.S. economy. There's absolutely no doubt about that, and we cannot have any interruption. This is something that Homeland Security has been working on for a very long time. Not just passenger rail. Although that's a big part of it, but our rail system as a whole. A few years ago here in Arizona, there was a, a, a crash, a train crash over at Tempe Town Lake where a part of the bridge that crossed Tempe Town Lake between Tempe and Phoenix, um, it, it fell. And, and uh, some of the cars fell into um, uh, the park, Tempe Town Lake Park. And one of the very first questions that was asked by people, and we had to have clarification from federal agents later on, was, was this terrorism? Was this an intentional act? We understand that our enemies know this, that if they wanted to damage the U.S., it's not, you know, we, we think of, uh, of people coming after us militarily, and we think, man, that's going to be really hard for you to do. It's going to be hard for you to invade the U.S. Not impossible, but difficult to invade the lower 48 for sure. And if you're going to try something like that, it is going to be a very brutal war. But if people wanted to damage the U.S. and eventually try to take it out, cyber warfare is out there. But damaging our infrastructure, whether it's an EMP with our electric systems or it is um, – the rail system in the U.S., which would paralyze the economy if they were able to do that. We almost had a rail strike a few months ago, and that was the one thing that if that rail strike would have happened, if we would have had a real rail strike, the U.S. economy, as it was in the precarious situation that it's been in, would be devastated by that. So we understand, or at least most of us understand, that the rail system is an important piece of the overall U.S. economy. So when you see the rail system in the U.S. being um, having these kind of derailments, um, I want you to hear a little bit of this um, of, of from this is the public safety part of this derailment in Ohio, an ABC report about the residents not wanting to go home. 
We heard from Governor Mike DeWine yesterday who said categorically he would drink the water here. He feels very confident in those tests. But we've heard from resident after resident that tells you that, look, I mean, I don't know that I play in the, 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 the creek water. I, I don't know that I would drink the water from the tap. Still a lot of reservations. But what officials have been trying to do is, whether it be through town halls or press conferences, is trying to reassure these folks that the tests that are being conducted in this community are producing results and those results results are accurate. There have been some uh, very loud critics of the Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, and this is why, because the transportation part of this, twofold. Number one, you, we all know that rail the railroads transport at times very dangerous chemicals, and when something like this happens, and once in a while it does, it causes some severe devastation, and that's what's happening in, in Ohio right now. But it, we've also seen it happen in other places recently. We had a, a truck uh, overturn and dump nitric acid, I believe, down in Tucson. That's been cleaned up. But it's got people thinking, could this happen here? If you look at where the trains run here um, at, at the exchange where you've got um, at McDowell and uh, was it 19th Avenue and McDowell and the and Grand Avenue where they all cross right there, there's the main switch yard. There's a big sh- yard there where trains are going in and out all the time. And when you ride out Grand Avenue all the way out as far as you can get before you head towards Whitman and Wickenburg in that area, the trains are running right along Grand Avenue all the way out there. It's a very heavily populated area. Could this happen here? And that's what everybody's concern should be. Could this happen here? What is our government doing to make sure that it doesn't, whether it's an accident or somebody's doing it on purpose? Because I guarantee you that's one of the things that our enemies are good at. And we're good at it with our enemies. Is when a disaster, Let's say this was all 100% accidental, that there's no nefarious things happening, that this was purely a horrible accident. You don't think that our enemies look at that and see a weakness or say, is there a weakness there? Is this something we can exploit? You know, we're concerned about terrorists starting forest fires. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that's one of the things that that federal agents are concerned about. Um, They are concerned about this kind of a thing. If they interrupt the rail service, yes, the devastation that train crash can do in a community where that derailment causes huge water issues and contamination issues for an area. That is bad. But if you can do that in enough places where you are interrupting rail service across the U.S., look what happened after 9-11. The 9-11 example should – every form of transportation in this country should be aware of this. What happened after 9-11 was all – Air travel in this country came to a standstill. Every plane was grounded. Every airplane was grounded. There was no air traffic. And then we revamped the system. Whether you agree with it being secure or not, we revamped the system. How you get on an airplane, how we screen luggage, who we screen, all of the things that have been done. How we secure a cockpit. The you know, If you've ever sat near the front of the plane, you see how they do things differently. The cockpit door is locked and nobody can get in there. It is a very secure door. We have air marshals on airplanes. When a member of the crew that is inside the cockpit of an airplane uses the restroom, uses the lavatory, They take out the drink cart and they put it between the passengers and the front door or the door of the cockpit and they stand between it. 
the the flight staff, you know, the, the, the flight attendants stand behind that cart. If you get out of your seat for any reason, they say, please return to your seat until the crew member leaves the lavatory and goes back into the cockpit. So they have changed so much to try to secure this from happening because it devastated air travel and commerce for a, for a while. And to do that with the American rail system, the, the American people rightfully are asking questions. And what are we doing to prevent this from being a full-scale, full-on disaster? And the more often that they happen in the short term, deflecting blame doesn't help anyone. In a moment, we go back to education. It's such a great topic. What's happening with these academies in the West Valley and around the state of Arizona, even in Tucson, where they're focusing on science and math? Is this the real key to quality education? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I appreciate you spending some time with the show, <clears throat> as always. As we look at this uh, a story, the West Valley, um, westvalleyview.com, go beyond the basics with the academies of math and science. I talked earlier about this. Focusing on STEM, focusing on the STEM principles and making sure that math and science lead the way. It's what parents are looking for in many cases. It's one of the reasons why I'm such an advocate for school choice. It's one of the reasons why I continue to talk about education so much. Um, what we've seen, and I don't want to see it happen here, and I pray that it never does. We have very, very low test scores in math and in reading in Arizona, but nowhere near is what we're seeing in some other places. Chicago, 55 of their Chicago area schools. Now, there's over 600, but 55 of their schools have no students that are proficient in math and reading. Um, I think it's 23 schools in the Baltimore School District. No students proficient in math or reading. Just from a performance standpoint, name one other industry where you wouldn't fire everybody. Think about where you work now. If you had a 0% success rate, and we're not talking about a job that's as important as kids getting an education. How does the education system in the Chicago area or the Baltimore area or even anywhere else, how can you possibly defend having zero students proficient? You can't blame the parents. You can't blame home life. You can't blame upbringing. You can't blame circumstances. Zero percent. And it is something that we all have to face because we cannot raise a generation of uneducated people because by virtue of how life goes, they will become leaders. As you, they talk about being over the hill, and I'm convinced that being over the hill means it's because running downhill is faster than running up it. Once you get over the hill, time flies. Ten years for me now is an insanely short amount of time when summer vacation or the school year lasted forever when I was a kid. And one of the things we have to be very mindful of is we are raising the next generation of leaders in 10 years is nothing. A 15-year-old is going to be 25 years old in 10 years. The difference in a person's life and who they are and what they are from 15 to 25 is incredibly different. You're a child at 15. You're in the prime of your life at 25. What are we doing in that 10-year area? Go from 10 to 20 years old. What are we doing from 5 to 15? 
what are we doing from five to twenty five and and we as a we have a responsibility we were given the tools you know if you're a generation I was born in nineteen sixty seven i was i am the i am the quintessential eighties kid I turned eighteen in June of nineteen eighty five I turned eighteen in the middle month of the middle of the eighties and I was from a generation where we learned the basics. Now, I wasn't considered a genius in high school. I was a terrible student. But I learned. I had a skill set. And all of us remember what it's like to be industrious, to know how to read. We also know that there were people among us that couldn't. And now there are people that are older when they get to be our age that are not good readers. And then they say, I should have done this. How many people out there that didn't get an education or enough of an education, and then when they have children, they realize, I've got people, I've got a human being relying on me now. It could be a marriage. It could be, you know, I have a partner, and I'm ashamed to tell my husband or my wife that I can't read or I'm not a good reader. But when you have a child and you realize, I will do whatever I have to to give a good life to this human being, and you realize that your options are so small because you can't read, you can't fill out a job application. And that's what we are setting these people up for. We are setting ourselves up for failure because, listen, I'm 55. I don't want to work forever. I want to be able to sit back and understand that the generation we're handing things off to have things under control. Good, solid companies and just go from a greed standpoint. Good, solid companies in all across this world, what they do is their board of directors is training up the next generation of the board of directors. Why you own stock in that company. Part of your buyout being on the board of directors when you retire is you maintain stock in that company and you live your years out based on the performance of that company. And you want to make sure it's strong when you leave. And we're setting these kids up to fail. We're fighting over, again, I'm going to read the headlines. This is what we're fighting over in the country right now. Um, We're fighting over a Chicago father is on a watch list because he opposed pornography in schools. Um, uh, Alaska board members brawl over silencing a dad exposing books on kinks and sexting. These are just the headlines. Um, a high school asked its employees to avoid inviting white peers to events for people of color due to mistrust between races. Uh, a mom complained about sexually perverse posters at an elementary school. The police and military officers and others secretly worked together to silence her. When you um, Science needs to stop using terms like male and female, mother and father. According to some researchers, male and female should instead be referred to as sperm producing or egg producing. Meanwhile, father and mother should be labeled parent, egg donor or sperm donor in the scientific field. We are running off of a cliff with this woke nonsense in the world. And what we are doing is we are robbing our children of the ability to prove us wrong. We are we are telling children what to think. We're not giving them the ability to figure out how to think, and we're robbing them. I, and I'm not being too dramatic in this. The idea that we have so many under 50% in Arizona that are not proficient in math or reading should make us all angry. This idea that we're against each other, that somehow if somebody is listening to this show right now from Save Our Schools or from the AEA or the AEU, those are teacher organizations, by the way, that some 
somehow I'm against you. I'm not against you at all. We all should be concerned with those numbers. And if you're going to keep screaming money, 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 money is the only problem, you've been proven wrong over and over again. I dare anybody out there, go look at the Chicago school system. Go look at the Baltimore school system and see how much money they spend in their districts per child on education. And they've got 23 and 55 schools respectively that are not able to read or write at all. Zero kids proficient. It's not just a money issue. It's more than that. And it's going to take a concerted effort from parents, teachers, and administration to get education back on track. And as long as you don't want the parents involved, and not just you specifically, but the districts that are telling parents go away – you're going to lose. Ultimately, the parents have the right and the control, and they'll take their child somewhere else, and they should be able to. They should be able to take their money and their child and go somewhere else. And if you don't want to lose the money, then start catering to the parents. Start teaching their children to read, not teaching them their pronouns. Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about the family of the Michigan State University shooter and the family that speaks out. All that's coming up here in just one moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. The conversation, I believe it's a valid one and it's a good one as we talk about what we do to keep our country safer, not violate or impinge on innocent people's rights, not infringe, I should say, on people's rights, um, and uh, how we do that and keep us as safe as possible. The conversation, again, heated up over the last couple of days because at Michigan State University, a man named Anthony McRae uh, indiscriminately shot a bunch of people on that campus, killing three students and injuring other people and then taking his own life. And it reinvigorated the conversation that's been ongoing about firearms, specifically what they call assault weapons, which were not used in this case. Um, The family is speaking out about this man, saying that he was a loner. Father saying that I had told him to get rid of his gun. The police had been called about shots being fired in their backyard. He was arrested in June of 2019 on a felony gun charge by carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. The district attorney then dropped that charge to a misdemeanor where he served one year probation instead of facing five years in prison and being a convicted felon. And then all with all of that information out there about this man, being a Monday morning quarterback is easy to do. Hindsight is twenty twenty, But there is a lot of information out there about this guy. And somehow it's the gun laws. We need more of them. Although the existing gun laws didn't protect anybody. So here's where the this is where I love social media. There is someone that is on social media that uh, that loves to poke the bear. And, and this is where and I don't mean this is an insult because I don't know how intelligent this person is. I'm guessing that this person is fairly intelligent, but. The ridiculousness and ignorance in which they talk about guns is staggering. So when they don't have a point of view of their own, they will put up statistics from someone else. So this person said, don't say it's blue cities because blue states have blue cities, too. And yet red states do so much worse. Talking about uh, murders. Um 
poverty, support system, education, gun laws, yes to all. Republicans are failures. That's her statement, not mine. And I'm assuming that this is a her. But that's the statement from this person to me on social media. It then lists 10 states where the murder rates are the highest in the country. Louisiana, Missouri, Nevada, Maryland, Arkansas, Alaska, Alabama, Mississippi, Illinois, and South Carolina. So you know what I did? I said, you know what I'm going to do during commercial breaks? I'm going to go and look who runs these states and who runs the largest city in these states. So I'm not going to read them all off, but just uh, just so you know this, of these, of the uh, – in the state where I've listed the governor's party affiliation and the largest city in that state's party affiliation, it was only one city with the exception of Missouri because Kansas City and St. Louis are such big cities. But if you look at this, it is hilarious. There are 11 Democrats total and five Republicans. Now, I don't care about party affiliation. Violence doesn't know those boundaries. This person posted this, directed at me to show me how poorly Republicans do when it comes to murder rates and gun crimes. Eleven Democrats, five Republicans. So this isn't a party issue, and that's what I continue to say to this person. You keep making this about political party. You keep saying Republicans are failures. Louisiana, Democrat governor. New Orleans, Democrat mayor. Missouri, Republican governor. Kansas City, St. Louis, both Democrats. Nevada, Republican governor. An independent mayor in Las Vegas, but it was a Democrat, switched to independent. Maryland, uh, governor Democrat. Baltimore, Democrat. Arkansas, Republican governor. Little Rock, Democrat. The only state where both people are Republicans are Alaska. Republican governor, Anchorage mayor is a Republican. Alabama Republican Governor Birmingham, Democrat. Mississippi Republican Governor Jackson, Democrat. Illinois Governor Democrat, Chicago Mayor, Democrat. South Carolina Republican Governor, Democrat in Charleston. Again, it doesn't matter, right? We are violence is violence, criminals are criminals. But as long as you want to go down this road, do your homework. Party affiliation doesn't matter. And in this case, it's the complete opposite. It's two to one. Two to one. Instead of us looking at these problems and having a civil conversation, these are people that are so blinded by politics that all she can see, or I I assume it's a she. And maybe I'm wrong in assuming that this person's a female. I shouldn't. Um, it may be a male. Um, this person that keeps sending these things, everything they post is about how bad Republicans are. It's always something slanted toward a party affiliation. And instead of us looking at things and saying this is right and this is wrong, we say this is right and this is left. Left is good. Left is good. Right is bad. And it's it just we, we should. This is an issue where I guarantee you that these students who died and their family members who love them could care less a about the shooter's color of skin or party affiliation. And this is the part of this conversation that makes me angry. What works and what doesn't? All I know is that the policies were complained about by everybody that the district attorney was weak on crime, especially violent crime. Then she left the office because of those complaints that she was weak on especially violent gun crimes. She didn't prosecute them and it's come back to bite them. You want new gun laws and you're not enforcing the existing laws. Start there and see what happens.
I want it to end just like you do. I want it to end like you do. Final hour of the show, we, of course, at 1120, we'll do Did You Hear This? We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the big headlines. But just after 11 o'clock, the real numbers on the economy. Uh, is inflation coming down? Are we reducing the deficit? Is the pay for people going up? These are all claims being made, but are they true? We'll investigate next.